Ladies and gentlemen. Ali, a sneaky right hand. Another sneaky right hand. This time he works over the shoulder of Foreman. talking to our little Raiders, talking more NFL this hour as well, too. Hang tight with that. We've got uh, Denver Broncos to talk about, believe it or not. Sean Payton talking a little mess. All right, we've got that, and we got got uh, more NFL training camp updates. A quarterback, a major quarterback, got carted off during training camp practice today. We will tell you who, where, when, and all that good stuff. And, of course, it is fight night, Saturday night. Yes, we've been talking about it. Can hardly wait. It is Terrence Crawford and Earl Spence Jr. Saturday night, T-Mobile Arena Showtime pay-per-view. And our good friend Al Bernstein, the Hall of Famer, will be on the call with more Ronello and the entire gang there at Showtime. And Al, of course, joins us now. Al, what's happening, brother? Well, we're getting very excited for the weekend. Um, big fight. Um and uh, I think uh, all of boxing is kind of saying, you know, it's here, right? I mean, we've waited a long time for uh, Spence and Crawford to get into the ring. They were uh, facing off a little bit today for the first time in fight week and um, only a couple days away. Final stages uh, of your prep work, Al. You know, I know you've been watching video and you know both these fighters extremely well. What kind of fight do you expect as you get ready for the call on Saturday night? Yeah, you know, obviously, I've already watched a whole bunch of video, gone through the voluminous notes that are available to us. Hey, let me ask you, I get this question, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but how much prep time do you take in, I know you got to do, you know, basically the whole card, at least the television portion, but just say, like, for the main event, what is your prep time? Is it days, is it hours? Quantify that into hours, because I always get that, you know, uh, Mm. for myself about, oh, for an Aces game or for, you know, your daily talk show. How about you when when it comes to a fight like this? Well, you know from doing that that uh, the amount of prep time you spend, uh, usually in terms of hours, you can multiply the hours you're on the air by about five or six yep. hours at, at five times that at least. So the, my process, is, which is remains very similar, uh, is to start looking at videos a couple of weeks before, continue to look at them as you move forward. And of course, I have to do the keys to victory. So that requires a lot of video viewing. Then about six days before, I start going through all the notes. We get notes from five or six different um, uh, sources, and I, I print them all out. I go through them. I mark them up, and then about four days before, uh, I start to input it in my laptop. I'll have it ringside, and by the time uh, the day before has reached us, I have everything inputted. I've gone through every... Uh, uh, every um, uh, bullet point that I have for the fight, and um, then I'm pretty much ready. So yeah, it takes a. It's about a for me. It's about a ten to twelve day yeah. process of um, 
on again, off again, uh, video watching and uh, note. And of course, you're going to read a lot of articles about it as well. So um, that's the process for me. And uh, I've arrived there pretty much um, at this juncture. Uh, and I, as far as what kind of fight I'm expecting, you know, the interesting thing about this fight, for all that, here's what's going to contradict one part of that. For all the preparation for this fight, I did the keys to victory in about five minutes right. for this fight. <laughs> right, sure. And the reason that happened, which you'll understand, is while there are many variables that could happen during this fight, what each man needs to do is very, very plain and obvious for uh, uh, Crawford, for uh, Terrence Crawford. He needs to control the distance and the range in his fight uh, and counterpunch effectively. Uh, some of his best power punching is done as a counterpuncher <clears throat> when fighters are moving in on him and they provide some of the imp- impetus for his blows. And by the way, he's got the second most uh, longest streak of knockout wins for a male titleist, uh, and that's 10 in a row. He stopped his last 10 opponents. Uh, and for um, uh, Errol Spence, his mission is to jab his way in, move his head while he's doing it, get on the inside, work the body. He's one of the best body punchers in boxing. And then hopefully from his standpoint, land something exceptionally big, um, uh, as the fight progresses. progresses. The other key for Crawford, I think is sometimes in fights, he allows himself to give away early rounds. I'm not sure that's a good idea in this fight because, uh, sometimes, you know, he's always pulled himself out of the hole with these knockouts. But he may or may not get that in this fight. No, it's a great point, though. Great point. Have you speaking of Earl Spence? Have you noticed any ill effects from that treacherous car crash that he had a couple years ago? Anything that you've seen in the ring that is uh, lingering, or is has he just overcome all that? Yeah, that's a very good question because it it, it merits asking almost every fight, right? I mean, he's had a couple since that. Uh, I have not. Um, I, I don't believe that, you know, once he recovered fully and once he got back as a fighter, um, there is nothing that I can see. And, of course, he didn't. None of his injuries were recurring in the sense that they became so chronic that they they caused big issues for him. So, no, I, to me, Errol Spence has... Um, gotten back to where he was as a fighter before that mishap. Mm-hmm. Well, all this being said, you look at these two guys, they're great pound-for-pound contenders, great welterweights. Uh, somebody's O has got to go here. When you look at it all, Al, and we know styles do make fights, do, do these guys line up to to make a memorable fight, the one that we're going to talk about for, for ages? Yeah, that's also a salient question because while Look at what happened a couple nights ago. We saw uh, Stephen Fulton uh, Jr. against uh, Viola Inouye. We thought that that was about as even a fight as you could get, and that no matter what happened, it would be a super competitive fight. Well, it was exciting because Inouye's performance was so amazing, but it was not a fight that we will talk about as a super competitive war over the the long haul. This fight, when you look at it, should provide that, but then I thought the other one was going to provide it. Um, But this one really should because we have an aggressive fighter coming forward. We have a fighter who will move a little more and maybe be a boxer puncher, but a fighter who, a boxer puncher, who, as I pointed out, has knocked out his last 10 opponents. So he's hardly somebody that's going to be looking to simply box and, you know, and, and win uh, just by points. So given the combination of those two things, I do believe it's going to be a very exciting fight. Of course, we all hope for that whenever we have a, a big fight. But I think in this case, and the other thing that makes me believe that is both men are fighting at the peak of their of their powers. 
Al Bernstein on the call. Showtime Championship Boxing on the pay-per-view side. Coming up Saturday night. Of course, it's here at T-Mobile Arena. It is Terrence Crawford. 39-0, 30 knockouts. And Earl Spence Jr., 28-0, 22 knockouts for the undisputed welterweight title. Looking forward to that. Another thing we're looking forward to, Al, is tonight. Al Bernstein, ladies and gentlemen, tonight he's getting the voice ready. I don't know if he's gone with the hot tea and the honey, uh, and he's ready to go because uh, he's going to be performing for probably three-plus hours at least tonight at the Tuscany, the Piazza Lounge, Kenny Davidson and his fantastic band, and Al Bernstein hosting tonight at the Tuscany now. Let's go, baby. Pump it up. Well, we're going to have a lot of fun tonight, and you should know how special you are to me because I turned on about 30 radio shows today uh, on a Thursday. Yeah. Tonight, but what did I do? The TC Mark. My man, and I appreciate that. Don't I know it? That's why I'm not going to keep you any longer, my friend, because I know how it is in producing a a musical show like you're doing tonight, my friend. And uh, I just think it's fantastic. And we're going to have a fun time at 8 o'clock and at 9.30 we have shows and people can come at any time if they want. Uh, We're going to have great music. Uh, You mentioned I got a great band. I have a terrific Guest singer Selena Sasso, who's one of the best singers in Las Vegas, is joining me. And we're also going to do a boxing trivia segment in both shows, uh, in which we've got great prizes from Showtime, uh, including in each of the shows, we're going to be giving away a special prize, uh, two tickets to an upcoming Showtime championship uh, boxing match. And uh, lots of great prizes from them. Um, so we're going to have uh, both music and some boxing talk as well tonight. I love that. I hope I'm eligible for the uh, boxing trivia. I'm, I can hardly you wait. Know, Is that, did you come up with the questions, Al, yourself? You know what? There was nothing written into the bylaws tonight. <laughs> not with a prize. So uh, luckily, I have not written that into the bylaws. So you're, you're okay. And if you're, and, and, uh, and if you're very nice, I may call on you to answer one of those questions. Whoa. I don't want to embarrass myself now. So hopefully I, I know I'm going to have to go, go home and study a little bit. All right. Hopefully, Al, I know you're not uh, taking any requests because you, you've got your set list ready to go, but I've seen you do Sweet Home Chicago with, with Kenny before there. I, I hope I get some Sweet Home Chicago tonight. That is the second song I'm singing tonight. Is that right? Look at this. That is number that is number two on the song list. How about that? That I means I've got to be there by eight oh eight tonight. Is that what you're telling me? All yes, right. that yeah, you're correct. That one that one we're gonna be doing very, very early. And uh so uh, you wanna get there early for that one. We're gonna we're gonna trot out the blues. I've got about three or four blues songs uh, as part of the the uh, proceedings tonight. So, uh, and I know because I know whenever anyone thinks of a blues artist, I am the first person that comes into their mind. <laughs> hey, come on, you're Chicago, and you did. You're like me. You've seen the Blues Brothers 312 times. Exactly. And you know what? Every blues song I sing, this is funny, either has Chicago in the title or in the lyrics. Yeah. I don't know what. It- uh, there you so go. There you- and I just got back from Chicago, Al. I got back uh, uh, last night. There it is. I was there. I hope you did. That That gives it extra uh, extra weight. And, uh, and boy, the, I'll tell you what. You're involved in a historic season with the uh, Las Vegas Aces. Yeah. Well, thank you, and I appreciate you listening, my friend. We'll let you get back to work. Uh, right. I really do appreciate the time, Al. Looking forward to seeing you tonight and then Saturday as well, too. All right, take care. There he is, Al Bernstein, the best, the International Boxing Hall of Famer. It'll be on the call Saturday night, Terrence Crawford and Earl Spence Jr. And tonight at the Tuscany, give me a little Al Bernstein. There we go. It's on the playlist tonight. Don't you want How he says, sweet hope, Chicago. Like the same old place, sweet home, Chicago. That's my man. There he is. Tonight in the Tuscany, go on out, check him out. Numbchuck, you better be there. That's it. I told you I'm going to. I'm going to try. All right. I'm going to try.
808. That might be. I know. I know. That's like, I'm like. That's a second song. Yeah. You know, I was going to get kind of ballsy there and say, can you you rearrange this set list? Hey, like, you know, second to last song. Yeah, like, you know, 930 or 922. Second to last song. Second to last song. Yeah. Good deal. Uh, love watching Al, Kenny Davidson, uh, a lot of fun. Uh, and Al's been doing this for a long, long time. Going back to those days over at Caesars before those championship fights, you know, going back to the eighties and the nineties. Uh, great stuff. He still love going over there, uh, for that. And, uh, but you know, he's pretty regular over on Friday nights at the, Tuscany in that lounge there with Kenny Davidson. They do a, a fantastic job. Looking forward to that. All right, Crawford and Spence coming up on Saturday night. They did have the face-off uh, today at T-Mobile Arena. Uh, weigh-in will be tomorrow. We'll be talking more about the fight tomorrow's show. Remember, tomorrow's show uh, over at the uh, Westgate inside the world-famous Superbook. All right, so we look forward to that. No, this is going to be a great fight. I can hardly wait for this fight. It's one that's been a long time coming and leading up to the fight we had talked before about well should this fight have taken place two or three years ago did it lose a little bit of luster no because these guys haven't lost and they've both been you know top of the pound pound list top welterweights uh virtually a pick'em fight crawford is now like a dollar 60 favorite opened up like 130 and has has risen up I imagine some Spence money is going to come back, but uh, Terrence Crawford is is one bad dude. Omaha, Nebraska. He has not been as active. Neither fighter has been overly active. Uh, we've seen the welterweight division, you know, play out with these two: Showtime Sean Porter, Keith Thurman over the years, Manny Pacquiao, and uh, now we're at the point where okay, these are the two best. Uh, they're both in their thirties. And it is time for somebody's O has got to go. Crawford was with top rank basically his entire career. And the last couple of years of his contract, he wasn't happy that he was not fighting as much. He wasn't getting the marquee fights because Al Heyman in PBC, Premier Boxing Champions, had most of those welterweights, like with Sean Porter and, and, and people like that. So um, it was hard for Al Heyman and Bob Arum to to make a deal involving Terrence Crawford. And I firmly believe that Heyman did not want Crawford to fight one of those guys because he was fearful of Crawford. And if you're going to do a co-promotion like that, that's it's very difficult to do. We saw it with Mayweather Pacquiao, and we've talked to Bob Arum about that numerous times. Um, they've had to do a couple with you know, uh, Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, you know, with these co-promotions are, and there's always friction between the promoters with this and the camps and who's going to come out first, who's going to come out second, who's going to get the majority of uh, the purse and the pay-per-view buys and all that other kind of stuff. So it's a lot easier for Al Heyman to make these fights where you're under contract with both sides, both fighters. That's a lot easier. And that's what Heyman was, was doing for the better part of the last eight to 10 years of, you know, especially in that division where he had signed so many of the great welterweights. So, but we've seen some great welterweight fights, you know, Ugas is another one. We've seen him get in with Sean Porter. We saw him, you know, get in with Pacquiao and other, I mean, the welterweight division has been stellar for decades upon decades and it is still very, very good, but I'm interested in seeing this fight because I like Terrence Crawford. I like the way he fights. I just love his mentality. Uh, he's not going to back down. And Al Bernstein brought up a tremendous point saying that Crawford does give away some early rounds. He does. He does. He'll take his sweet time and you know look for that opening. Sometimes he'll give away rounds, and after three four rounds, he could be down. You know, three rounds to one. So I don't think he can do that. Spence, if he's doing his homework, he's going to try to come out, uh, be quick, get in, get out, try to steal rounds, um, watch for the last 30 seconds, last 10 seconds, because when you have a lot of inactivity, it's just one little flurry, and if you connect, you could steal a round and win around 10-9 like that. So I think Crawford has to be aware of that. If Crawford comes out 
and does what Lomachenko did, you know, I think then you're going to say, whoa, okay, he's taking the fight to him because Lomachenko's always been a notorious slow starter. Even though Lomachenko didn't win the fight on the judges' scorecards against Devin Haney, you saw the way he started out, and it was like, whoa, this is going to be a great fight, and he probably did win the fight. I thought he won the fight. Very close fight. You know, 115, 113 either way. So this one has all the makings of being a good one, but I want to see Terrence Crawford be aggressive early and put the pedal to the metal. And if he does that, Terrence Crawford is going to win this fight. So we'll see how it all plays out. Advantage who? You know? I think from a size perspective, it's Crawford. Knockout power, it's Crawford. Uh, Spence has tremendous speed. Uh, he has tremendous defense. He is a defensive fighter. So Crawford could get frustrated with Spence not maybe wanting to engage or trying to tie him up or get in and out. And again, I'll use Showtime Sean Porter as a great example. He fought both of these guys and narrowly beat both. You know, I mean, he almost did beat both of them. Now, especially the Spence fight. Uh, it was at both fights. The one against Spence was down at the Staples Center at the time. Now it's Crypto.com Arena. And if Sean Porter did not get knocked down in that 10th round, I firmly believe he would have won that fight because Porter is a lot like Crawford, except, you know, Sean obviously is, is more of a volume puncher and, you know, a very more, a more physical fighter. But um, he took the fight to Spence. And so Crawford should look at that and say, hey, that's. That's what I need to do. You need to take the fight to Earl Spence. If you do that, uh, he's going to be in good shape. It would shock me if Spence knocks out Crawford, knocks down Crawford. The odds say that too. I mean, double-digit odds for a Spence knockout. Don't think that's going to happen. But uh, it should be a fantastic fight coming up uh, at T-Mobile Arena on Saturday night. And like we said, current odds have Terrence Crawford about a dollar 60 favorite all right when we come back we will continue on with nfl news we got some quarterback news to talk about and we got some head coaching news to talk about as well i do exactly what i want to do it's It's the the doctor tc martin you say i'm insane i say thank you very much the doctor is now in Tomorrow back at the Westgate Las Vegas. Oh, yes. Inside the world-famous Superbook, Marco D'Angelo will be joining me in the house. Our good friend Jake Cornegay, the vice president of Sportsbook Operations, that and more. Talk us to boxing tomorrow as well, too. So a couple special guests. Look forward to that at the world-famous Superbook. And got to remind you also that the Super Contest is back. We'll be talking more about that tomorrow as well, too. Get signed up for the new and improved Super Contest, uh, the best contest in all of handicapping in Las Vegas at the Superbook. So get signed up uh, today. We'll be talking more and more about that in the weeks to come because football season is here, my friends. And you know how you know when football season is here because training camp is happening and when you start getting the breaking news. And a lot of times... The breaking news is not good news. So, Joe Burrow, the quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals, was injured today during practice. How many times have we seen this in just a simple drop back, non-contact drill? Just dropping back to pass and then going and in, in, in running, just running. Drop back to pass. And then, okay, I'm going to take it around the right end. And then he just started hobbling and limping. The diagnosis is a strained calf muscle, right? Strained calf. Um, he did leave the field by way of a cart, all right? And uh, just to be safe there. But uh, Joe Burrow injured on day number three of training camp. So... Not good news there in Cincinnati. Hopefully it's just a strained calf and you can be able to come back from that maybe in two or three weeks. So, yes, Joe Burrow, 
one of the best quarterbacks in the National Football League, uh, got hurt today in training camp with the Bengals. Uh, over in Miami today. This is sad news. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, um, fine cornerback who came over from the Rams last year, uh, now with the Miami Dolphins, had a serious knee injury today in camp. Uh, underwent an MRI just a little while ago, and news just came back that uh, Jalen Ramsey is going to be gone for the season, and he will have to undergo knee surgery. So right now, the reports are that he's going to miss the start of the regular season. If He's, he's going to need knee surgery. He's going to miss significant time. It would not surprise me if this is the entire season. So, um, sad news there. Say what you want about Jalen Ramsey. I mean, he's a guy that you kind of love him or hate him. Uh, had some very good years with the Jacksonville Jaguars. The teams weren't very good, though. Uh, trash talker, as we know, with the Rams. You know, got himself, uh, Super Bowl a couple seasons ago. But, um, you know, yeah. So this is an ACL injury. They're saying that he's going to undergo knee surgery. Expected to miss the start of the season. The injury that you know he suffered today in practice, but they did say that the ACL is intact, so that's good. So it's not torn. If it was torn, that would be you know missed the entire season. But see, a lot of times with an ACL, if it's not torn, they won't do surgery. So that's interesting that they're going to do surgery if. It's intact. All right. I wonder if it was like a partial tear. Yeah. And it's still yeah. it's manageable yeah. and they're and gonna that's probably one of those things too where you you're on the fence, okay. Should we do surgery or should we just kinda just try to let it heal naturally? I'm, I guarantee those discussions because with the ACL, those discussions are prevalent. But uh he is gonna undergo knee surgery, so uh Jalen Ramsey will miss some significant time. Uh, this season. Uh, so getting back to Burrow. Yeah. A year ago yesterday, he had the appendix blow. Yeah. Appendectomy. And then yesterday, or then today. One day apart. I one mean, day apart. So basically 364 days. 364 days. Ouch. He's had, right. a, he's had a bad two years. Whew. He was able to come back from that and had a fantastic year. Yeah. Last year. Uh, hopefully, like I said, it's a calf injury. Hopefully it's it's nothing strange, but just if you get a chance to watch that video today, I mean it it looked worse than probably uh than it is. Yeah. That was a little scary looking. All right. All right. So uh, back to more football news. This time from a coaching perspective. Sean Payton, the former head coach of the New Orleans Saints for all those years, stepped away the last couple of seasons, was on the TV side of things. Well, is the head coach of the Denver Broncos, as we know. Sean Payton has met with about 50 local media members in the Denver area at the beginning of training camp and really didn't give too much. Hasn't really given too much to the local media there. But that all changed yesterday when he did a one-on-one interview with USA Today. And he unloaded on his own organization and specifically last year's head coach, Paul Hackett. Here's some of what Sean Payton said in his interview with USA Today. He said, what took place in Denver last year is one of the worst coaching jobs in the history of the NFL. Think about that. One of the worst coaching jobs in the history of the NFL. Now, obviously, he's talking about Paul Hackett, who was Denver's head coach and was let go at the end of this season. The Broncos had a 5-12 and record. They were horrendous. Uh, brought over Russell Wilson. Uh, that didn't work out well. Almost felt sorry for Russell Wilson last year. He's, he struggled mightily. And just seeing him harassed in the pocket, game in and game out, on his back, you know, repeatedly sacked week after week. But Sean Payton has taken over 
is speaking on last year's Broncos team, specifically their head coach at the time, Paul Hackett, one of the worst coaching jobs in the history of the NFL. He goes on to say this, It doesn't happen often where an NFL team or an organization gets embarrassed, and that happened here. Part of it was their own fault relative to spending so much bleeping money, or I'm sorry, spending so much bleeping time trying to win the offseason, the PR department, the pomp and circumstance, marching people around and all of that stuff. He goes, oh man, there's so much dirt around that. There's 20 dirty hands for what was allowed, tolerated in these freaking training rooms and the meeting rooms. The offense, I don't know, Hackett. A lot of people had dirt on their hands. It wasn't just Russell. He didn't just flip. He still has it. This BS is that he hit a wall. He goes, shoot, they couldn't get a play in. They were 29th in the league in pre-snap penalties on both sides of the ball. That wasn't his fault. That was the parents who allowed it. That's not an incrimination on him, but an incrimination on the head coach, the general manager, the president, and everybody else who watched it all happen. Now, a quarterback having an office and a place to watch film is normal. But all those things get magnified when you're losing. And that other stuff, he goes, I've never heard of it. We're not doing that. And what he's talking about, all that other stuff, is parading around Wilson and other you know, signees, doing a whole bunch of PR, but he's also talking about, you know, uh, Russell Wilson having his own room, being separated from the team, uh, having his own personal quarterback coach come in the building. Now, if you remember last year when uh, Sean Payton was hired, all right, one of the first questions that he was asked was, well, are you going to allow Russell Wilson to, you know, have his own, you know, quarterback coach, you know, come in here? And he said that Wilson would not be allowed to have a personal quarterback coach or other support staff of his own inside the team's complex. And good for Sean Payton. He shouldn't. All right. He spoke about the 5 and 12 record of the Broncos last year. He goes, "It was hard to watch. Very hard to watch." Now, he just didn't stop there. He took a shot at the New York Jets as well. He goes, we're not doing any of that stuff, referring to how Paul Hackett handled the Denver Broncos last year. Now, he's taking a shot at the Jets because Paul Hackett was hired by Robert Sala, the head coach of the New York Jets, as their offensive coordinator. So Hackett, who had a relationship, obviously, with Aaron Rodgers, their time in Green Bay. So think about this. Hackett will will be at, what, his third stop in the last three years? Hasn't gone well for Hackett. Now he's going to go back and be an OC, the offensive coordinator for the New York Jets. So here's what Sean Payton had to say. He goes, we're not doing any of that stuff, referring to how how Hackett handled the team. He goes, and what happened in the offseason? The Jets did it this year. You watch. Hard knocks. All of it. I can see it coming. Because remember when former Washington owner Dan Snyder put that dream team together? He goes, I was at the Giants in 2000. I was a young coach. I thought, how are we going to compete with them? Deion Sanders is there now. That team won eight games or whatever it was. So listen, he goes, just put the work in. Yeah, he was under good friend Jim Fossil who passed away, unfortunately, two years ago here in Las Vegas. And Jim, we had many talks with Jim Fossil uh, about Sean Payton. And Sean Payton l- learned under the tutelage of Jim Fossil. He's, that's what he's referring to in the Giants in, in 2000. But how about that? You have a head coach that takes over a team. They were 5-12 and 12 last year. Everyone thought they would be better, but not much better. If you go back and remember, the Broncos were still picked the at the bottom of the AFC West, well behind the Chiefs. The Chargers were even ahead of them. Then there was talk of the Raiders. There was the Broncos because, okay, Russell Wilson. 
Wilson hadn't been spectacular the last couple seasons in Seattle. And now what's it going to be like going to Denver? Because Denver was a mess. Yeah, good defense, not great defense. A lot of people like to blow up Denver and say, oh, man, you know, what a great defense. But no, they were challenged on both sides of the ball. And they were 5-12. and 12. You don't have a great defense and lose 12 times. I know they lost a lot of close games early on in the season. But Russell Wilson was abysmal. The offense was atrocious. How much of that is on Wilson? I don't know. But according to Sean Payton, majority of it definitely was on Paul Hackett. So you have a head coach that comes in and not only is ripping the former head coach, but now is ripping the new team that Hackett goes to, the Jets. Of course, the Jets, lovable losers, always a target, right? But now they got Aaron Rodgers, and now all of a sudden, wow, hey, sky's the limit. People are are, are thinking that the Jets are now a Super Bowl contender. They still got a lot of areas they need to address. Are they better at the quarterback position? No question. Because even Aaron Rodgers at 35, I mean, he's going to be, uh, he's better than what they had. No question about it. Uh, so when you call out another team, call out another team's head coach. Well, now here comes the social media wars, getting, getting all fired up. Jets offensive lineman Billy Turner said today, he calls Sean Payton, and this is on social media, an effing bum. <laughs> Call him an effing bum over his comments about the 2022 Denver Broncos and the Jets from earlier today. Now, Turner played with the Green Bay Packers, played with Aaron Rodgers. And one of the reasons why Billy Turner went to join the Jets, for two reasons, according to him, be with Aaron Rodgers and be back with Nathaniel Hackett. Because the Packers' offenses were pretty darn good. But how much of that really was Hackett? Now, let me tell you. The Packers' offenses have always been good. Okay, They're a system offense. They've pretty much been running the same type of system, even though they've gone through three, four head coaches you know, going over the last 12 to 15 years. But Billy Turner is speaking out, and he's back in his new team. But yeah, very unusual for Sean Payton to do this. This is almost kind of like the Bobby Huggins stuff. You know, he's out there and he sounded like he was drunk when he was, you know, ripping in on, you know, Notre Dame and uh, rather a Xavier, you know, using you know the terminology that he used, um, which got him fired uh, from his job at West Virginia. But why can't Sean Payton just... Shut up and coach. You are going to a new team. Now, are you doing this because you want to fire up your own locker room? You better back it up and you better win. Because what if the Broncos get off to a bad start? They get off to a one and three start, a two and four start, two and five. Are you going to start throwing your own players under the bus? Because you're, you're throwing the former coach of that team under the bus, saying, man, they screwed up this and that. Here's what I'm doing if I'm in that situation. And I've been in a situation like that for, you know, coaching high school where you take over a team and it's a mess. Okay, granted. But you don't bash that. You know why? Because it makes you look better as a head coach when you come in and you improve it. You know, it's like, man, if Sean Payton comes in here and this team goes... Let's say they go 11 and 6 and maybe make the playoffs. Wow. Look at that improvement. 5 and 12 to 11 and 6. That's six game difference. If you kept your mouth shut, that'd be great. But now you're stirring it up and you're ripping the former coach. And not only are you ripping the former coach, he was ripping the GM who's still there. The president who's still there. So what are you gaining by that? To piss off your own hierarchy in Denver there. Now, John Elway, he's gone. I stepped aside. Denver's a mess. All right? And just because you hire Sean Payton, do you think that that is going to improve your offense and your defense? Okay, Russell Wilson. We know he's a better quarterback than what he showed last year. But he's still a mid-30s Russell Wilson quarterback, right? Who's got 
maybe some gas in the tank. Now, Peyton went on to say that, oh, man, he goes, we put this guy through the car wash. That's the quote he said. We put this guy through the car wash, man. He's got plenty of miles left in the tank, plenty of gas in the tank. Yeah, he's he's going to be fine. I hope Russell Wilson is good because I love Russell Wilson. I like him as a player. I like him as a person. He's great. You know, he's good for your team. He's good for your community. He's a leader. He never quits. And even that time with Denver, these last few weeks of the season, you're going, oh, man, this is just downright hard to watch. And I agree with Sean Payton with that. It was hard to watch that team. But Russell Wilson, he's not the same quarterback that he was early in his career with the Seattle Seahawks. Age is catching up with him. Injuries catching up with him. And how much improvement do they have on the offensive line? Big questions there. So I want Denver to do well for those fans. Their diehard fan base. Love them. I want them to do well for Russell Wilson. Some other good guys on that team. But for Sean Payton, I could care less. This is the guy who was in charge of Bounty Gate. Remember that? Basically took, and I'll say it, yeah. And I, I hate using that kind of terminology, but took maybe a Super Bowl championship away from the Minnesota Vikings. Putting a bounty on Brett Favre's head. And penalties that should have been called. And just, you know, ruthlessness. And Brett Favre and the Vikings, they took the high road in that. But that was downright brutal. And what the officials allowed to happen in that game was downright garbage. But this was a guy that was paying players extra to go take out the opposing quarterback. Take out first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback. Are you kidding me? Do you need to do that? Saints had a pretty darn good defense that year anyway. Didn't need to do that. Trying to intentionally hurt Brett Favre. I mean, ridiculous. So I've got no love for Sean Payton. I've always thought he was an overrated coach. He's had some pretty good teams in New Orleans. Good offenses. He had Drew Brees. Yeah, Drew Brees. How much of that is Sean Payton? So for him to run his mouth... In this variety, you're just putting more of a target on the Denver Broncos' back, put more pressure on your team. You think Russell Wilson is happy hearing this? And let's remember, let's go back when Nathaniel Hackett was hired as the head coach. What were what was everybody saying? Not everybody, I wasn't saying it, but people in the NFL and people fans like, oh, he you got an offensive guru. He is this this guy. Look what he did in Green Bay. Yeah, well, he wasn't head coaching material, but his scheme was was pretty good, and they just they couldn't get on the same page. So, Payton's probably fair saying that it was a mess. Shouldn't you know a quarterback shouldn't have his own personal coach and his own entourage in there? Shouldn't be separated from the team. Granted, I agree with all of that stuff, but you don't say it to the public. You don't say it so your own players can hear it, and you don't say it so your own ownership group and your front office can hear it. How about those conversations? Are the conversations taking place today? Hey, uh, Sean, come on in here. Why are you running your mouth? It's ridiculous. So, yep, that's a lot of you. That's your NFL news on that. So, And again, uh, to reiterate what we talked about in hour number one with the Raiders, uh, day three of training camp, here at the Intermountain Healthcare Facility in Henderson and the Raiders, uh, Josh Jacobs, not at training camp again for the third day. So this is going to be a story that, yeah, we'll talk about it maybe almost every day, but there's really nothing to talk about because Josh Jacobs isn't coming back. The Raiders offered him a contract. He said no to it. We don't know the specifics as far as the length of the deal, but we do know that the Raiders offered him $12 million dollars per season. Don't know how many seasons, don't know how much money of that was guaranteed. So uh, the two sides still very, very far apart. The Raiders did say in a uh, statement two days ago saying we will respect Josh's time that he wants to be away. We're not going to be talking about it. Don't ask about it. But you know, people will be asking about it. We've already heard AJ Cole, the punter today, 
answering questions about it. So people are going to hit him about it. All right. This is a Raiders team that lost its quarterback in Derek Carr. They didn't lose him. They they jettisoned him, sent him pack and let him go to New Orleans. And now they got Jimmy Garoppolo. And Garoppolo, we don't know if he's healthy or not. Seems like it. Just had off-season surgery in March. He's partaking pretty much all in full of this training camp, three days into it now. Devontae Adams, we haven't really heard Devontae talking too much. But believe me, things start going wrong. You're going to hear from Devontae, just like you did at the end of the season. By the way, with Devontae Adams, um, nothing did come about the shoving incident in Kansas City. I got swept under the rug. So, doesn't have to hear about that. But people are going to be talking and asking about Josh Jacobs uh, during the course of this training camp. Also, um, get ready to hear a lot about Tom Brady with the Raiders now, not from a playing perspective, but just from, you know, as you, you know, from an ownership perspective, we know that Tom Brady owns a uh, portion of the Las Vegas Aces minor, minority owner with Mark, uh, Mark Davis sold him uh, a piece of that. And there's also talk that Tom Brady is trying to acquire a portion of the Raiders and that could potentially not happen after all. And that was a big talk last year. If you remember in during this past off season, um, sources are out there that a, that a recent no equity rule that the league passed complicates Brady's efforts to acquire a portion of the Raiders during last week's special meeting to approve the sale of the commanders from Daniel Snyder over to Josh Harris. Uh, Raiders owner Mark Davis spoke passionately against the proposed rule, explaining that he had planned to employ Brady as part of the deal for Brady to buy a piece of the team. And uh, the rule passed over uh, Davis's uh, concerns. So now that Davis won't be able to both employ Brady and to sell Brady's equity in the team, that could set the transaction back to square one and it could potentially derail it all together. So uh may not see Tom Brady around too much uh, at, at Raider games. And uh, yes, Tom Brady had genuine interest in purchasing a piece of the Raiders. Like I said, it has a piece of the Las Vegas Aces. Want to keep it in the family there. But yeah, so that news coming out to today as well. So that's your NFL news. Again, we'll continue to keep track more of uh, what is happening there with the Raiders uh, in training camp. Major League Baseball. So the breaking news just hitting up and down here today. Shoei Atani is staying with the Angels at least till the end of the season. So... All of the talk about the Angels should trade Otani. Will they or won't they? Been hearing that for the past three weeks. I had said just two weeks ago that I don't think Artie Marino is going to do it. It it makes a lot of sense to a lot of other people. But here's where Artie Marino's thinking. He's thinking dollars. All right? The Angels are on the outside looking in right now of the playoffs. Okay? They're about about seven and a half games back of the Texas Rangers, give or take, and a few games out of the final wild card spot. What Marino is hoping for, that the Angels get healthy and hopefully Trout gets back and they could put a run in August and September and get into the playoffs. Now, if you get in the playoffs, as we know, anything can happen, especially with the dual threat that Otani is. So he's holding out hope for that. But more importantly, come on, let's look at it from a financial standpoint. Now the Angels have about 25 to 30 home games left. He's going to milk that, and they want attendance around 45, 50,000. I don't know if they're going to get it because the Angels still do stink, and they got all kinds of problems on the field. But he wants to milk that. He wants Otani jerseys sold. He wants fans in the park, to see Otani play. So would he try to trade him if the Angels were 20 games out of first place like they have been the last few seasons? More than likely. But he has the hopes. He does not want to be known as that owner that sells, rather uh, trades, Shohei Otani. does not want to be that guy because you're not going to get equal value for him. You're not. Because everybody knows that the Angels are desperate. They want to get, they want something for him. So you're not going to get the value. So I don't blame Marino for that. But here's the result of this now. 
All right? Angels general manager, Perry, Perry Minnesen, said this. We're going to roll the dice and see what happens. Uh, he said that uh, before the doubleheader, where Otani's uh, getting ready to start uh, game number one today on the mound. Uh, the Angels are now going to risk not getting anything for Otani without a trade before the deadline, which is next Tuesday. All right? Next Tuesday, August 1st, 3 p.m. So that is uh, a risky proposition, but I, I kind of, I get it. I get it. You know, you're not going to get equal value. You're going to get some, a couple retreads. You're going to get some minor league prospects. Now you'll get a high minor league prospect, maybe one or two, but there's still going to be prospects. They're, you know, here's what you need to get for Otani. You need to get two young, bona fide starters that can come in and start for you immediately next year. But who's going to offer that when you know that the other team is, is so, is, is, is desperate because they want to get something for him. You know? So we mentioned that that news came before the doubleheader today. What did Otani do before? Uh, what did he do during that first game? Otani threw a complete game shutout. One hit, eight strikeouts in the first game. And then what did he do? Hit his 37th homer and his 38th homer in the second game. The guy's having an incredible season. He is phenomenal. He's better this year than any other season. This is the best year he's had. Yeah. But uh, Otani, getting a little bit tired, our good friend Bob Nightingale has uh, said that Otani left the second game with cramping in game number two. After he hit the second home run. Yeah, after he hit the second home run, he... He grabbed his side while, and while was, he was just... going around the bases. Yeah. Huh? yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. That's not good. Uh, Angels uh, won the first game 6-0 in Detroit. They lead 9-4 now. I'm sorry, 8-4 in the uh, top of the night. So Angels, more than likely, will sweep the doubleheader. And Artie Moreno is holding out hope that uh, they can get in the playoffs. And then, think, hey, maybe I could sweet Taco Tani to coming back. And we'll retool again next year. So I get the mindset there. It's not always as simple as you think, oh, I trade the guy because you know, you're not going to get nothing for him. Well, he's going to hang on to him, man. He took a shot on him, and you know, it's the only Major League Baseball team Otani's played for. So Marty Marino's just hoping there's goodwill there, even though we know that Otani wants to play for a winner. All right, I want to thank Al Bernstein for joining us today. Great stuff from him. He'll be on the call Saturday night at T-Mobile Arena with Terrence Crawford and Earl Spencer for the Undisputed Welterweight Championship. Heidi Fang joined us, talking about the Raiders and the Raiders training camp. Appreciate her from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. If you missed any part of the show, go to the website. Check it all out at tcmartinshow.com. Tomorrow, we're back. We're still in town. We're in town for about a week or so. It's good. we got Aces coming up Sunday at home, 3 o'clock against Dallas. And then Tuesday night against Atlanta, 22-2, and two, the world champs. All right? So we'll talk more about that tomorrow. We'll be at the Westgate. Come on out. See the show live. Tune in from the Superbook at the Westgate Las Vegas. Have yourself a good one. Enjoy. And we'll back at it again tomorrow at 2.